I just want to take a quick second here to thank everybody for listening to the What's Up World podcast. Uh, thank everybody that has come to the table and talked to me over the course of almost the last year. For those of you that don't know, February will be one year that this podcast has been uh, been a thing. So uh, I'm pretty excited about hitting the one year anniversary of What's Up World. Also, I want to take a quick second to thank our sponsors of the podcast, which is Backroads of Appalachia, Whistle Stop Express, Livingstone Outreach, A&J Deals, and Awesome Like Anderson. Uh, speaking of one of our sponsors, A&J Deals, I also want to ask everybody to keep Ashley, Lynn, and Hermina in your prayers. Uh, they're both dealing with... Uh, <clears throat> some medical issues i won't get into the specifics of it but uh i would just like to ask everybody to keep those people in your prayers uh not because they're sponsors of the podcast i know both of these ladies personally and they're very good very good people very good women and uh they have done a lot for this podcast so and i don't take that lightly uh it means a lot to me to have them as a sponsor of this podcast. And again, I'd just like to thank everybody for your prayers for them. Uh, this podcast has grown immensely in the last year, almost year, 10 months, I guess. Uh, I really didn't know what to make of it at first. Uh, the podcast was going really good in the beginning and then i started doing different type of content different type of interviews as you can tell and it just skyrocketed uh, it's it's really amazing at the amount of feedback that i get from this podcast and uh it's really amazing to see the reach that it has gotten in just a short amount of time and it's not because of me. It's because of the people that come to this table and tell their story. And uh, I think a lot of people can benefit from it, from listening to the podcast. Uh, it's just, it's not, I don't take this lightly at all. This isn't lost on me. I really appreciate everybody that has anything to do with this podcast. Uh whether you're interacting on the Facebook page, <clears throat> interacting in the show notes of an episode, a sponsor, or if you're just somebody on the street that stops me and says, hey, I really like your podcast. Uh, if you message me on Facebook and uh, recommend somebody to me, uh, I do look into it and I do reach out to them. And uh, don't forget... The What's Up World podcast has an email address. It's whatsupworld01 at yahoo.com. And we also have a telephone that you can call, text, uh, and leave me a message for a suggestion or a comment, questions, comments, concerns, or you can tell me that I'm stupid and ugly if you want to. That number is 606-658-1101. So I just want to get on here and do that. I don't feel like I thank everybody enough. So uh, 
it's really important to me to give credit where credit is due and that's to all of you all so thank you and uh stay tuned Welcome to A&J Deals, your one-stop shop for all your everyday needs in the heart of St. Gap, Kentucky. At A&J Deals, we believe in bringing you the best deals on a wide range of products that you use in your daily life. Looking for unique trinkets or toys that bring smiles to your loved ones' faces? We've got an incredible selection that's sure to delight kids and adults alike. Tired of running low on laundry detergent? Need a quick energy boost during those busy days? Grab your favorite energy drink and essentials like batteries, light bulbs, utensils, and more right here at A&J Deals. But that's not all. Our friendly staff is always here to assist you in finding exactly what you need. Customer satisfaction is our top priority. So whether you're a Sand Gap local or just passing through, A&J Deals is your go-to destination for quality products at unbeatable prices. All of this nestled in the heart of Appalachia. Your community, your savings, visit us today at 7416 Highway 421 North in Sand Gap, Kentucky. Our phone number is 606-975-9664. What's up, world? Back in the studio today. Uh, we've got a guy here in the studio with us. His name's Robbie Pearson. He's got some uh, roots here in the county. He was telling me earlier before we started recording. <laughs> and it's funny how you've never met anybody before. They're not from here, but they know a lot of the same people that you know. And it's just kind of odd how that works out, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah my story with the, with this particular county is pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just t- a little bit about yourself and uh, and uh, where you grew up and how you come to be, man. All right. My name's Robbie Pearson. I'm 47. <clears throat> I grew up in uh, Greenfield, Ohio. It's uh, uh, the home of country music legend, uh um oh what's his name um he wrote the uh i know who you're talking about he wrote the uh song take this job and shove it yeah what is that dude's name it's gonna give me <laughs> i can't even think about it, it. <laughs> i can't even think of it but um so it's a small little town they it's it's a rough town actually i just seen a, a guy write a book about it um about the roots and how how you know for being such a small town, mm-hmm. um, Johnny Paycheck, that's, that's his name. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, <laughs> for being sm- such a small town, how how rough and how, um, you know, rugged that little place was. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that place just about destroyed me at one time. But so I grew up there. Um, my mother had me when, 
when she was 16. So she did what was best for, for me and for her. And she let my grandparents raise me. And uh, I can remember being two or three years old. And we actually lived down here in Kentucky at the time. Um, my grandfather ran this strip club in Lexington called Fud Puckers. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, <laughs> um, they lit, they managed this hotel in Berea called Moore's Hotel. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember a lot of it, but, you know, some weird things I do remember. Um, I remember being, you know, back in the day, back in the 70s, um, you know, it was kids were going in the bars with their family you know oh, yeah. it was so it's such a different time to live in that was real normal back then yeah yeah i grew up in a bar i'd hustle i was hustling pool at 12 years old taking people's money i mean <laughs> I, I, I got real good at that so yeah, yeah. it was crazy it's just so that that upbringing it was normal to me you know it was the beer the alcohol the the smell of weed um yeah. everything that's involved in that lifestyle even can remember walking through you know, that strip club, um, I was with my grandparents and I walked through this door and that's a bunch of just beads and you walk through these beads and then there's the show. A whole different world. Yeah. And there's my <laughs> grandma. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, she don't have no clothes on. Oh my and, God. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, um, God rest her soul. She, you know, is the only lady that loved me unconditionally. And, yeah. To this day, I'm, I'm I'm thankful I can make her proud from where she is. Yeah. Um, but you know that's that's kind of early age. That stuff is normal to me. So, and uh, so I grew up uh, playing sports at an early age. I think I had three toys as a kid. Yeah. I had a baseball, basketball, and a football. So that's all I knew. Yeah. So. Real competitive. Uh, I was a spoiled brat. I got everything I wanted. Like I said, that lady never told me no. And uh, later on in life, I come to find out like that's a huge handicap for me because um, later on in life, I go to put this. Um, I have uh, what's called authority issues. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've because, got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm I'm used to I'm I'm not been told no my whole life, and then mm-hmm. you know, um, so so the first uh, time I can remember drinking, or I was about the age of fourteen or fifteen, and I can remember the effect that it produced, and it was like no other. It was instantly comfort, and instantly. Mm-hmm. I was home like it was it, it yeah. took, you know, and I grew up um, playing sports. Like I said, in middle school, I have all these friends that are on the team and all these, um, you know, these these classmates and their their life looks a little different than mine. They all have mothers and dads and they're all in their life. And and um, so immediately I felt uncomfortable. I felt weird. Yeah. So. Um, when I took that drink, I tell you what, I didn't feel weird no more, man. Like that shit just left. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I found uh, comfort in it, and and they call it the solution. I found a solution to my problem. Oh yeah. And uh, so anytime I felt uncomfortable, I went back to that bottle, mm-hmm. and um, so suffered some consequences at an early age. Uh, I think 16, 17 years old. I was a junior in high school. I got kicked out of school for. Um, coming to school drunk, we skipped school. 
<clears throat> left our cars there. I came back. Um, my friends got in their car and left. I went. I just thought I wanted to go in the school, so yeah. I walked in. They smelled beer on me, um, uh, suspended me, and uh, that was embarrassing to me and my family. So what I did was I ran. Um, the next year, I transferred to uh, Greenfield High School, and I moved in with my mom. My mom let me do whatever I wanted. I was smoking weed with her, uh, 16, 17 years old. Um, I didn't have no consequences. I could run all night, come in. My senior year, I just went to school half a day. So I was in a work program. Um, and, and um, man, I thought I had it made. Um, so I signed up for the Marines as a junior in high school with my grandparents' consent. Yeah. And... Um, it come time for me to graduate and um i was like man i gotta leave the day after graduation yeah to go to uh, paris island to yeah. fill this hell we commitment yeah <laughs> and uh i was i wasn't i wasn't about to do that and the only way i could get out of that was not to graduate and i had passing grades so i had to miss 20 some days of school in a row um to get out of that fulfillment uh, you know to, to commitment for the marines and i and yeah. i did that um i could not imagine being drug away from the lifestyle that i was living right the alcohol and the drugs were already had a hold of me and i had no idea they were taking dreams of mine away like graduating high school man i i that that was something i never i just always thought i'm gonna do that you know yeah, yeah. so immediately drugs and alcohol were taking things from me so I didn't graduate. Um, I went the next summer, that same summer, and got my GED. And um, I tell you what, man, life started getting rough in my 20s. Um, I've been arrested over 40 times, I think. Um, a bunch in my 20s. I started suffering consequences, going to jail, and um, um the drugs started progressing. I wasn't just smoking weed and drinking alcohol. I was taking Xanaxes, doing cocaine. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I was smoking crack. Um, I was doing all these things that I never thought I would do. You know, I looked at my family, my uncle and my aunt. They both died from the disease of addiction. Okay. Um, my aunt was found three years ago in a hotel in Dayton. She had been dead for months, for for a week. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, Two years ago, clean and sober in February, I had to go identify my uncle at a morgue. He was found the same way. Wow. Um, and I'm grateful I was able to do that um, because um, uh, I was sober yeah. and I, I took some stress off my family. My mom, it was killing her. She had lost her brother and sister. Mm -hmm. um, so this disease or whatever they call it, it ran rampant through my, through the Pearson blood and, um, man, um, so, you know, in and out of jail, um, by the age of 25, I have three DUIs. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm just running, running tough. I think by the age of 25, I had a daughter, I had my daughter and, um, so you good? she was she was born in 2000 let's see she's 22 so she was born 
I don't know. She was born um, May 15th, 2000. Let's see real quick. <clears throat> Two thousand one. That's when she was born, and my niece was born the same day. Oh wow! It was crazy. So, I was trying to battle with recovery. Then, um, at the age of twenty one, I was um, I overdosed and was sent. And back then, treatment was a thing. Of, of rich people did that, you know. Yeah. We didn't yeah. get that chance, or or you were court ordered. Yeah. So I found a way. To, um, I went to treatment for 90 days. I seen these 40-year-old guys, and they're hunkered over, detoxing, sweating, shitting their stuff, all, that, all those nasty, horrible things, yeah. and I couldn't relate. I just thought, I'm, I'm here because of some consequences, you know? Mm-hmm. And they, they charged me with a possession charge because I overdosed, because I had it in my blood. Oh, yeah? In Ohio. I didn't even like to do that. I didn't either. Wow. So they did, though. So when I got out of treatment, I had a warrant, felony warrant I got picked up on. Um, but um, they let me go because of the treatment stay. But I never stayed clean. So I have this daughter, and I'm sober in recovery, whatever. And I drive down to Clarksville, Tennessee, the day she is born. And I held her in my hands and, um, man, it's crazy. Um, her mom's from Tennessee. She, I met her in Ohio. So it's crazy. I went back to Ohio. Some things happened. I lost my grandfather in 2003. Um, lost my grandmother two years after that. And my world went to hell. Like yeah. I, I literally gave up on life. My, um, I put a chip on my shoulder. It's when all these authority issues started happening with me. I didn't give a shit about you or anybody else. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Nobody's going to tell me anything. And yeah. uh, I'll die doing it if that's what needs to be. So this daughter I have, I just, just she's better off down there in Tennessee, you know, and you get so lost in addiction, man. You know, it's crazy. So, I mean, I literally gave up this kid because of drugs. Yeah. And, um, man, um, kills me. So I'm running wild. Um, catch uh, 2005, I'm in a head-on collision in Columbus, Ohio. I can remember... Um, bits and pieces. There's a girl in the car that I loved. Um, um, she's my friend to this day. Um, I got to make amends to this, but, um, there's a guy I worked with and we hit somebody head on 70 miles an hour. Yeah. I can remember looking back at about 40 yards away. I went through the windshield. My shoes were in the vehicle, um, knocked me out of my shoes and, um, Man, what do I do? I take off running. I run to my apartment in Columbus, two miles, barefoot and bleeding wow. out. Man, I left these people there to die, man. And it's, you know, it's 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 crazy because um, that's not who I am whatsoever today, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, but I had some trafficking charges, some um, drug charges. Um, I was running, and uh, my my roommate called the emergency squad. They came pick me up. They put two and two together. And I remember being wheeled back into this emergency room in Columbus and hearing the screams and the terror. And, man, it was frightening. These people, you know, were I was with. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't remember much after that. I woke up in Franklin County Jail, downtown jail. And I can remember watching the 12 o'clock news to see if I had killed someone. Oh, wow. And I don't know if, you know, that's, that's probably the most lonely, the most empty, the most frightening feeling I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. And uh, it was, uh, and I'll tell you what, it was it was awful. So, so I have these other charges down in Greenfield and Highland County, and they take me down there that day. And I answer to them and, uh, I'm in jail for months and, and I remember looking at my lawyer, I said, look, I'll take three and a half years. If you get me out of this jail today and send me to prison, he said, he said, you're getting out of here today, man, but you're going on parole. And, yeah. uh, I was like, well, what, however, I got to get out of this County jail. Cause mm-hmm. it was, it was wearing on me. And, um, I got out, man. I, and I started going to these meetings, uh, Started telling people I was an alcoholic and started, you know, um, but I wasn't doing much more than that. I didn't know that the root of my problem, you know, I didn't, I didn't know none of that stuff. Yeah. I just know is when I act up when I put something in me. And, uh, so I'm doing good, man. I'm actually living with the preacher. I'm working. I remember coming home from work. It was 2007 coming home from work one day. And uh, I got these five letters in the mail, and they're indictments. Oh. Two F2s, two F3s, and an F4. And they're um, well, down here, it'd be class Bs, class Cs, class D, and two of them were aggravated. And um, I remember my mom saying she was coming down here to Jackson County. I said, I need to go with you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I packed up whatever stuff I had. Um, I, I always knew this was a place in the hills and I'm like, they ain't going to catch me down there, man. <laughs> a lot of places hey. to hide here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I got down here and it's crazy. I, I lived down here a couple of weeks. I couldn't make it here. Yeah, I'm used to the big city and the lights and uh-huh. the party, you know, the, just something always going on. But I ended up, um, like I was telling you earlier, my aunt took me to a bar and, uh, down at Riptides. Um, it's called Proud Mary's now. I just drove by there the other day. Mm-hmm. But um, I ended up meeting this girl there. Um, it's crazy. We dated for a little while, and then I ended up moving in with her. And uh, more than anything, man, I got close to her kids, and she has no idea I'm a fugitive on the run. Has no she idea. She didn't know. No, I didn't okay. tell her. She has no idea I have a drug problem or, or alcohol problem, and. Um, so I pretty much take this woman hostage. It's, it's pretty much what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's sad, but, um, so, you know, I'm coaching, I'm coaching little league ball in, uh, Richmond, Kentucky. I'm coaching with judge Earl Ray Neal. Yeah, he's yeah. like me. He's writing me letters of recommendations for jobs and stuff. And I'm a fugitive. That's what, how, how manipulative I can be when I'm out there yeah. living that life. And, and I don't care about no one else, just me. Mm-hmm. So, um, three years go by, you know, and, uh, one night I get pulled over, I'm walking and they pull me over in Richmond and they're like, Hey, who, what's your name? And I'm, I'm, uh, trying to create space in between us because I know what's getting ready to happen. Yeah. And uh, I finally created enough space and I ran. And, man, I, I had these guys. I cooked them. 
and uh, I ran into a privacy fence, and they cooked me. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was right downtown yeah. Richmond. It was oh, se- wow. September 1st, 2010. Man. <laughs> and, uh, man, uh, I knew uh, I knew stuff was getting ready to get real. Um, facing all these charges, fugitive on the run, name on the paper, on the news, um, all this stuff. And this girl, she had no clue, like yeah. no clue. And I'm just thinking, I just lost her yeah, and yeah. them kids. And mm-hmm. uh, one day I'm in there for about three or four days and I get a call, hey, you got a visit. <laughs> and it's her. Oh, you know? wow. And dude, she stuck with me through this and um, it was crazy. Um, we were just dating at the time. Um, it's crazy, but uh, she stuck with me through it. Um, nine days went by, and that's how long they had to extradite me. And I can remember Faye Winkler come and pull me out of my jail cell, and she said, Pearson, you're flying out of here today. Let's go. And I said, all right, let's go. And we're walking up to booking, and Jamie Wynn is like, hey, Faye, I'm on the phone with the pilot. Uh, he's going to be an hour late. I said, the pilot? And they said, yeah, you're the first inmate to ever fly out of Madison County Jail. I said, wow. oh, my God. I just thought, you know, when she said, you're flying out of here, I just thought, yeah, they're coming to get me. Out of here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I sat in that holding cell for an hour, and I was like, oh, my God, man. Like, my life is over. You know, they really want me, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, it's crazy, and... Uh, I sit in there and I had all them, you know, hopeless thoughts and, you know, all the shame and the regret and uh, thinking about these kids. And uh, mm. they came and they they took me and they flew me out on this little airplane. And I'm, here I am. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm this huge criminal. And, yeah, you've reached another level. Yeah, I'm thinking they're going to put me in this damn plane like Cyrus the damn virus. <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to be on this big Cyrus ass. the virus. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be. <laughs> I'm going to be on this jet plane, and they're going to have me in a cage, and I get out there, man, and this damn thing ain't no bigger than my Honda. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's uh, I mean, I got it in, and it started, they take it off, and it's going, <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, I'm, I don't know if this thing's going to hold yeah. me up. I look over, and the pilot, he's about 80, and the CO from uh, up there in Ohio, he is scared to death. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, I could take this damn thing over if I really wanted to. Like, <laughs> yeah. But that, that's not really what happened. Um, we take off, and I'm flying, and I fly over my house, <laughs> and the shit got real. It, it's, uh, you know, I was flying over, and... Uh, I thought about them kids is the first thing I thought of. Mm-hmm. And, um, man, and I'm looking at 20-some years in prison, and, you know, I just thought this life is over as I know it. This little life I had here is over. Mm-hmm. So we get up there, and we do what we do, and I spend months up there, a few months, and they finally lower my bond from 50000 to $40,000. And um, my my girlfriend at the time my mom got together and they bonded me out. So I'm on an out-of-state bond. I'm living back in Richmond. I'm calling in once a week. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I live here. I work here. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I got used to that. And then one day I get a phone call from my lawyer. And he's like, hey, man, I want to tell you all your cases have been dismissed. 
And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was a God thing. I used to think, oh, it's because I ran so long. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have no evidence, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm going to take credit for everything because yeah. I was a selfish person. That's who I was and um, self-centered. So I, that's that's what I I took credit for that. And come to find out, it's, it was just a God thing, man. This this yeah. uh, found out years later, this attorney was a top shot, top-notch attorney, and he was doing my case pro bono. And wow. All the, it was just all, you know, it was just God moving in my life. Absolutely. And uh, so, um, so I'm out of this trouble. And the first thing I do is, man, I, I don't, as an addict, I don't know how to process feelings and emotions without putting something in it to, like I said, to get comfortable to, yeah. you know, my solution. And immediately after he tells me that, I'm like, I'm off the hook. I'm good to go. This is, you know, most people be like, oh, you know, this is a fresh start in life. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm the first thing I'm where's the Xanax? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I look for. Fresh start on the same life. Yeah. Yeah. So needless to say, fast forward three years down the road, I'm married at this time to this girl and, <clears throat> Um, three years down the road, uh, six years down the road, it's about 2016, and I had found crystal meth, and I had been introduced to that. And I tell people a lot. Uh, I speak at places and jails and rehabs and churches yeah. and things, and I tell people that if the devil made a drug with his own hands, <laughs> as the lights go <laughs> My out. My lights flash. That was weird. <laughs> yeah. As the lights flashing. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of odd. <laughs> but I tell people, you know, if the devil made the, any drug with his own hands, it was crystal meth. Mm. And uh, just the things, the spirits, the, the things you see and and and, and go through, uh, man, it about took my mind from me. You know, I'm chasing things that aren't there. I lived across the street from the Army Depot in Kingston. Yep. And I could throw a rock over the Army Depot's fence, and I'm literally thinking the damn whole fucking United States Army's out to get me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, they're out there. Uh, they have that yeah. uh, They have that camouflage on, and uh -huh. they're out to get me. You know what yeah. I mean? And, uh, man, it's crazy. And uh, so I've been up, you know, 30 days almost, I think, yeah. at the time. And uh, losing my mind. And my wife gave me an alternative. She's like, you're going to go get help or we're getting divorced. Yeah. Now these kids are witnessing, witnessing these things that, you know, I'm doing and saying and the way I'm acting, the police are always around and, you know, so all these things are happening. So I go get some help and uh, I went to a place in London for 20 some days. I detoxed for, f I didn't sleep for 14 days. I was coming off some boxes wow. and everything else, you know, and, uh, Man, it wasn't much of a treatment stay, but I ended up staying clean for about seven months. In those seven months, I started a business doing yep. roofing and siding, mm -hmm. gutters, uh, kind of like just like the business I have today, but yeah. a lot less successful than it was than it is today. Yeah. Um, so, um, one day I just decided it's it'd be a good idea to do a line of meth with the gutter guy, and wow, <laughs> yeah. Um, almost instantly, man, everything was taken from me. You know, I, I, it wasn't taken from me. I'd give it away. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, I find myself running. Um, my buddy catches a case, um, for selling drugs for me. I'm, I'm going to hide him out in Florida. So I'm packing up all my stuff, taking him to Florida. 
Um, before we went, I went out to those apartments I was telling you about on 25 of them battlefield apartments. And yeah. I, I've, I've robbed somebody for 30 some Xanaxes. I took them all. And the next thing I know, I wake up and I'm in Florida and I'm in a hospital. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I had overdosed. Um, they found me dead. Uh, I wake up and I got all these tubes and these things on my chest and these tubes in my mouth and I'm pulling them out and plucking them off and trying to, you know, get up and they're pushing me down there. They shoot me with Halidol. And I remember the first time they shot me, um, I went out and it was, it seemed like I slept 12 hours and I woke up and I'm combative again. Yeah. And uh, they shot me again. And uh, the third time I woke up, I can remember just the feeling I had of so broken, so empty. And I was so hungry. I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to what you guys got to say. And mm-hmm. So they found me dead on the side of the highway. Wow. Um, and um, it was, you'd think this would be an eye-opener, but. Um, so in the state of Florida, they have what's called a Baker Act, and yep. it's kind of like Casey Law here. Uh-huh. Um, yep. If you're a harm to yourself or others, they can put you away and yep. to get medical treatment. And they put me in a mental institution down at <laughs> Fort Lauderdale. I was in Sebring, Florida. I don't even know where that place is to this right. day, but it was three hours away. And um, I can remember they, you know, I, I agreed to it. Um, because it was either that or it's probably going to lock me up. So I agreed to it. I can remember they put me, they put me in that, um, emergency squad and it was February. And I remember looking, you know, it was a three hour ride and I'm on this gurney Uh in the back and I'm looking out the back door and it's beautiful outside. And, uh, the whole time, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, man, what has happened to your life? Yeah. You know, um, you had dreams, you had hopes, you had all these things you wanted to do in life and look where you're at right now, you know, and it, it hurt. So they got me down there. I remember going into this facility. It seemed huge. Um, and I remember looking at all these people and I'm like, man, these people are freaking nuts. And, I, mm-hmm. and then I remember, thinking you are one of these people you know what yeah, i mean yeah. like you're you belong here yeah um so uh i can remember um I, this is about my third um third time in a mental institution i tried to hang myself a couple of times wow. um coming off of drugs and so i kind of knew how they worked um Tried to hang myself one night once, and I overdosed once. And um, I was in Chillicothe, Ohio, and they put me in one. So I kind of knew how they worked. I knew you had to see a doctor to be released, and I knew they yeah. were going to keep me at least 72 hours. Yeah. So they kept me about five days. But I seen a doctor, I think, the third or fourth day. And for the first time in my life, and I meant it. You know, I looked at the doctor, and I told him, I said, you know what? I'm not crazy. Yeah. I said, I'm a drug addict. And I meant that. And the mm-hmm. first time I ever said that and meant that. But it, it's uh, it's one of them things. And he, uh, they released me. I get back out. It took me five, ten days to find my vehicle. I had no idea where it was. After about 15, 20 days of being in Florida, I finally get my vehicle was wrecked. I had a bullet hole in the side of it. 
Um, it was just um, chaos, man. Um, I finally make it back. My pastor from down there and down here in London, um, he uh, helped me fill up my gas tank in Knoxville somewhere. Another guy helped me in yeah. Tennessee uh, or Georgia. Um, I was as soon as I got back, I went to treatment, mm-hmm. and uh, I was there three days and got kicked out for fighting. Wow, <laughs> you know is yeah. You, you think after uh, thirty days of being in Florida and literally dying and you know, so hopeless that, that, you know, you yeah. would give up. Yeah. And, uh, and I was still fighting it. And, uh, so I found my way through a couple more rehabs in and out, kicked out, found my way to Lexington, uh, to a sober living house. Got, I, by the way, I had, I had my license taken from 2005 till just three years ago. Oh, really? <laughs> I had to take it for 18 years. Wow. Um, so, but I always had a vehicle. I'd always shove it in somebody's name and put some yeah. license plates on it. And if I had to fill in a license plate date, I'd put, <laughs> mark it in there, whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever you have to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I ended up getting a job, staying clean for a little bit. And I got a vehicle I bought off my buddy and I was like, I'm leaving. And I left Lexington, Kentucky, and I went to Ohio. And little did I know this was going to be my last run. Um, A lot of crazy stuff went happened in that three weeks, four weeks, however many weeks. Uh, I lived my life in a blackout. Xanax was my drug of choice. And um, I don't remember a lot, but um, I remember I bought 75 Xanaxes. And... um, and that's one of the last things I remember. I remember being in a trap house in Dayton at about three in the morning. Right. And I walk up there, and this guy immediately holds a shotgun to my head. Oh man. And uh, he's just trying to find, make sure I wasn't the police. And okay. and my cousin, she is in the car screaming her head off, and I'm like, "Would you chill out? Don't not don't have a nerve in my body. I'm so medicated." Yeah. And, uh, with a shotgun to yeah. your head, so he, chilled out. He figures out what I want. They walk me to the side of this house and walk me down in this basement, and then there's two guys holding guns to my head, and they make sure I'm not the police, and they give me what I want, and they leave, and I leave. And I remember getting in that car, cussing her out. Like, what are you doing? You know, that's what they do, you know. And to this, Man. <laughs> she, to this day, we talk about it. She's... She's just like, oh my gosh, yeah. you know, like here. You it's know. amazing what a person can get yeah. used to. So, I—that's the last thing I really remember. Um, I remember bits and pieces of that drive from Dayton back to Washington Courthouse, Ohio, mm-hmm. and then I remember the next thing I remember is May twentieth, two thousand nineteen. Um, walking on Western Avenue in Chillicothe, Ohio. And I'm looking around. I come to, and I'm looking around, and I don't know where I'm on Western Avenue. I don't. I know where I'm at, but I'm looking in my pockets for my car keys, my phone, my wallet. I don't have nothing. Mm-hmm. I reach in my back pocket. And I pull out release forms from the county jail. I had been to jail. Wow. And released in a complete blackout. Didn't remember none of it. None of it. Wow. So I knew instantly. My car had a little firebird. Yeah. I knew it was uh, impounded. That's what they do when you don't have a license. And, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I was so used to that. So um, I went, walked up uh, to the uh, auto parts store, AutoZone, 
And I used their phone. I called my mom. I was like, Mom, I've been to jail. You know, come and get me. This was, you know, 30 years of this shit. This, yeah, yeah. You know, my mom, yeah. doing, you know, dealing with it was just another day for me. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. that day she was like, absolutely not. I'm not coming to get you. You're not welcome here. I don't want you around. And uh, I was like, wow, you know, um, what do I do now? I have no phone, I have no money. And I've been, you know, throughout this journey, I've been homeless. I've slept outside. I've been, I've even slept in the rain, in the freezing rain. And um, I've been hospitalized over it. Like, and uh, man, my life is never supposed to go that way. Yeah. You know, I could have done a few, few things in my life. I wanted to play college football. I wanted to, you know, there was so, so many things I had, you know, but um, in the end, like, this was the truth. This is what really happened. Yeah. So I'm walking around Chillicothe aimlessly for about 10 hours. And uh, it's May 20th. And it's still kind of cold at night up there. And I remember getting cold. And I'm hungry. And, you know, I'm just broken by, by life. And I remember calling my mom one more time. And I said, Mom, come and get me. Like, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm tired. And I remember my niece in the background telling, she said, Mama, go get my Uncle Robbie. And uh, All right. and uh, my mom, my mom got on the phone and said, look, I'm going to come and get you. But you got to promise me um, that you're going to go get help. And uh, I was like, you know, I've been to 13, 14, who knows how many rehabs. I was like, sure, I'll go. You know, I, I didn't, I, I, I had no idea I was going to get clean and sober, but mm -hmm. I was just like, sure, whatever, I'm hungry, whatever, just get, I'm going to get me. Yeah. And I can remember detoxing on her couch. It was terrible. Benzos are awful. And I mean, yeah. it was terrible. And uh, May 22nd, they found a place here in Kentucky it was called the Isaiah House. I've heard of it. Yeah. I've known people in there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh I have a good buddy from down here that, oh, yeah? that works there, Derek Thomas. Oh, I, I went to school with Derek. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've been friends with Derek literally since yeah. elementary school. Yeah, he's a good buddy yeah, of mine. Yeah, he's a good guy. So, um, so they find this place, and they get me off the couch, and um, what little bit of clothes I have I get, and – um, I can remember detoxing. I was just sleeping the whole way down, and I remember them waking me up. And they said, "You're about a, we're about three minutes away." And I popped my head up and looked, yeah. and there ain't nothing but fields and grass and horses and barns and <laughs> yeah. Amish people. And I'm like, "What?" I said, we, yeah. we, "Where we, am I?" <laughs> I said, "We ain't three minutes from where I'm about to go." She's like, "Yeah, we are." Yeah, and I knew I was I had to go, so. I, we finally pull up. This place ain't even got a red light. It's got a three-way stop, oh. a two-way stop, I think. And uh, we pull up to this big high school, and I see all these guys running around. I'm used to – I'm institutionalized at this point, oh, either wow. by jail or rehab or whatever. So um, none of this is really scary to me, um, but it's just the hopeless – it's just the – I'm 42 years old, man, and here I am again, you know. And yeah. it was um, – hopeless you know hopeless but i walked in that door man and uh immediately these guys are showing me love they're taking my bags 
Um, they told me to get in line. You, we want you to eat first, man. You need to eat first. And uh, wow. uh, they showed me around. And I, I promise you, nobody had been showing me too much love in the last few years of my life because I didn't deserve it. Yeah. And then um, they made me feel, feel welcomed. And uh, I can remember they took me over to a facility about 20 minutes away from the main facility. And uh, I can remember the first three nights. Um, I was so hardened by life. Like, um, I, I couldn't let nobody see me cry. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd go in the shower at night and I'd cry out to God. And I'd ask him, to, I begged him, yeah. you know, crying. Dear God, save me. Mm -hmm. And, um, man, something happened. Um, so I can remember, um, looked at, you know, looking myself in the mirror, had no idea who I was even looking at. And, uh, I'm 42 years old, um, you know, and and for once in my life, I owned up to everything. This ain't nobody's fault. This is my fault. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can remember I got my first phone call. My mom, my mom was supposed to get that firebird out of uh, in the end panel uh, yeah. for me. She said, if you go get help, you know, I'll get that out. And I got my first phone call. That's the first place I called. I'm like, yeah, because literally it's the only thing I have to my name, mm -hmm. honestly, I'm, you know, and uh, and I find out that they didn't get it. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'm leaving. And I told yeah, yeah. the guys at the rehab, I said, look, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go up here get this car out it's only like three hundred dollars i'll figure out how to get that real quick and then i'll drive back down they're like no nah, yeah no you ain't bro. going nowhere <laughs> they're, they're like we can't keep you here but uh we don't advise that and i remember the first time in my life being like you know because normally i just left and i yeah. don't care yeah but i went outside and i prayed and uh, I, was, I was so i was just so willing to do whatever at that time yeah i look up in the sky and i said dear god just whatever it is i'm supposed to do let me know and uh it's crazy i literally walk back in the door and this guy taps me on the shoulder he's like hey man you've been approved for 11 months here wow <laughs> I was, I was like, what? If that ain't a sign, I don't know what is. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, you know what? Let's do it, man. I, mm -hmm. Like, and and I started, I started getting in the Bible. To this day, I don't know any a Bible verse. I know a yeah, few, yeah. but um, that ain't what saved me. It's my relationship with God that saves me. Yeah. Um, I hear people quoting the Bible all the time. I'm newly sober and. And doing this and doing that. And I'm like, man, that's rough. You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't want to have to live up to that. I, I, I just want to be me. And I want to let God work on me as as, as needed, yeah. as, as it's supposed to happen. Um, but so, man, I stayed. I graduated. 
11 months, isn't that 11 months? About nine months clean and sober. I got my license back after 18 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I put insurance on my little truck, and I remember <laughs> it was a. Uh, it was a 96 truck, Chevy truck, and yeah. insurance was $424 a month. Wow. For liability. <laughs> oh, God. I was like, what in the world? <laughs> I'm in a sober living house. This, yeah. this little uh, factory job I got going on, making fourteen twenty-five an hour. And I'm like, man, I ain't doing I ain't paying it. <laughs> and that, that God conscious, man, because once you start that relationship with him, man, he's there. You know, and yeah. uh, it was that God conscience said, hey, man, if you don't start changing everything, you're not going to change nothing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, I paid that for $424 a month. I don't even know how. Yeah. I paid all these other little things. I'm trying to send money home to my kids and um, this and that. But, you know, three months later, my insurance went down to $60 a month. Wow. So it's crazy. Um, That's but I, Yeah, I graduated and I ended up moving back up to <laughs> Ohio. 15 months clean and sober. I bought a brand new car. Um, my buddy took a shot on me <laughs> and uh, I had sketchy credit. And I started working on my credit right after I got my license. It's one thing yeah. I did. And um, uh, he took a shot on me. I bought this car and uh, I remember leaving. You know, God made me soft, man. He gave me a huge heart. And mm, I can tell. I, I remember uh, leaving the car lot and I just pulled over and start bawling, crying, man. Like, because. Mm -hmm. I should have been dead. Um, I should have been one that the way I went at it, my life should have been taken from this stuff. But yeah. he, he saved me for a reason. Absolutely. And uh, once I, I started pl placing all that together, I started opening up on my social media. I started reaching out to people. I took a job back at the Isaiah house where I, I placed people in treatment. <laughs> um, I, it was there. Um Two years ago, I'm playing softball. I'm playing with all the guys from Isaiah House. And uh, I get a friend request. I look at it. It says Isabel Pearson. Uh -huh. I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> I know who this is. This is my daughter. Oh, I haven't wow. seen her since the day she was born. Oh, my God. 20 years later. And uh, before I can accept it, I, she sends me a picture, and it's a picture of me holding her when she was oh, the day man. she was born. Oh and man, dude, it took. I'm I'm squalling, crying. My buddies are looking at me like, "What is yeah. going?" Because I'm not saying nothing. And then she's, you know, um, that's about we, as heavy as it gets, right there. Yeah, man. And uh, man, we we started talking immediately. I mean, immediately on the phone, and she drove all the way up from Knoxville that night to Lebanon, Kentucky, and I got to hold my daughter again for the first time in twenty years. God, man. Yeah, yeah. It's it was it blew my mind, like, because uh, that was just one of those things I had let go of and thought this girl's better off without me. You know, whatever wherever she's at, it's better than with me. Mm -hmm. Um. And then when I got clean, I, I, I just I didn't want to to be the person to jump into her life and and break up something that you know I didn't deserve. Like I didn't deserve a part in her life, and yeah. uh, and that's the way I looked at it. So you know we started talking. Um, we you know it's it's been rough. We we went through a little spell where we didn't talk, and yeah, yeah. you know and and you know I deserve every bit of you know that. Um, but 
I talk to her every day now. She's, uh, I'm getting to see her on the 23rd. Me and my wife's driving to, uh, to Clarksville and we're, we're going to these Christmas light shows. And yeah. I th- I told my wife, I said, this is the best Christmas present I could ever get. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, so we're doing that, but, um, so I'm single and I, I'm, I'm learning how to take care of myself really. And mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I've been married for 12 years. I got, I walked through a divorce in, in recovery and I went through that and, and literally I thought that would kill me, but it didn't do nothing but make me stronger. Yeah. And I start, so I started paying these bills on my own cause I always paid bills and I was a decent provider when I, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, um, I didn't know even how to pay a bill. Like I got a water bill for the first time in my first apartment. And I'm like, what do I do with it? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I got the $34, but what do I do with it? You know, <laughs> but I didn't know I was so codependent. Like, you know, a lot of addicts we're, we're codependent, just like we're chemical dependent. We depend on someone else to, mm-hmm. to, you know, for, to, for, for our lives to be easier. And, uh, I learned then, like, man, you were, you were codependent just like you were chemical dependent. And so for three, two, three years, I, I take on life by myself and I learn all these things, man, it's crazy. I'm 42 years old doing this, but you know, I, I thank God that I I had the strength to do it. And I I learned all these things. And, um, before you know it, man, I, um, I left the Isaiah house, went back to Ohio, um, Started doing some roofing and siding. I didn't know if I'd ever get back into that business because there's some money in it, and I didn't know if I could be trust yeah. myself with that. So, yeah. um, but lo and behold, man, I um, I started doing some work. I started talking to this girl on the phone and we're messaging back and forth. She lives in Berea. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm in Ohio. I'm like, golly, what up? Pick her. Like, <laughs> I just left there, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so we said, we, you know, uh, first thing is first is she was in the Isaiah house, the women's center in 2019 when I was in the men's center. And what? Yes, they let oh me. Oh, my God. Yes, they let me out. At two months clean and sober to deliver some groceries to the women's house. And of course, you know, I'm all, uh, yes, I want to go see some women. I ain't been out, you know, I ain't been out of this place. I want to go over here. Let me take a look at these dudes all day. (laughs) I'll take all the food over there. Just give it, you know. So I go over there and and I'm just, I'm trying to be respectful. And and I was, but I see this girl and I'm like, oh my God, she's freaking beautiful. And then I'm like, Oh my God, you're freaking homeless, dude! <laughs> so, so I never acted on anything, you know. And uh, years went by, and you know, three years went by, and and we're talking. And I'm like, you know, I, I never really wanted to date someone in recovery. It was, mm-hmm. it was hard enough for me to uh, deal with my own recovery. Like I, did, I always thought it would be one of those things where you come home and she's like, so what do you, did you call your sponsor? Did you do this? Or did yeah. you do And I'm like, I do not want that in my life, yeah. you know? So I'm messaging her and I'm like, yeah, I really don't date, you know, chicks in recovery and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, something happened to her phone and she fell asleep and I fell asleep and I woke up the next day to a text that looked like a book and I, <laughs> like, I'm sorry that you don't date, you know, people in recovery and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
Oh my God! Hold on, I do. Like I will. Yeah, I will. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm making an exception, like uh, right now. So we set up a date, and I drive all the way down here, and she ghosts me. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, I remember. And I drove straight back to Ohio that night, and I'm like, Lord, I was wanting to block her at everything on Facebook. And, but she told me, you know, she had some things going on, and you know, some insecurities too. And I get it. And uh, so the next weekend, come I drove down and we go on our first date and we we went to the Waffle House in yeah. Richmond and we hang out and uh, um we uh you know we dated two weeks and we decided it was a good idea to get married like awesome, it was one of those things man I can't even explain it like I dated throughout them years I was sober and mm-hmm. um I. I mean, as soon as I met her, I, I knew what was happening. Like, yeah, she just know. She looked at me. We stayed in the cabin, and she we woke up, and she looked at me, and it was like 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. She's like, you want to go get married? Oh, yeah. And her little southern voice, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. But honestly, like, we're driving down to Knoxville, and uh, we're getting closer, and we got to be there by one. And I'm like, God, this is in your hands, because we're if we do get there, it's gonna be right at one. They might be closed. Yeah. Uh, if it's a sign that you know, yeah, is it supposed to happen? Then it won't happen. And we kept getting closer, and I'm like, maybe we're really gonna make it. Like, <laughs> she's serious. Like, she ain't backing out. Yeah. And uh, it's crazy, man. We we got married and. Um, and she has been a huge blessing in my life. Um, mm. she's pregnant right now with my son. Awesome. She's due, yes, due March 19th. Um, man, she, she encouraged me to, to go out on my own and I got a business license, an LLC. Um, I started doing all this stuff by the book. I'd file taxes now. I, yeah. you know, uh, I just filed my taxes for this year the other day. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. And. Um, it's crazy that God trusts me with what he trusts me with today. Um, my life's a completely different life and it's not about the material things in life for me. Um, I tell you what, I spend more money on other people and and giving back and helping and doing this Mm. and doing that. And that's where, that's where my joy comes in. And I also work part time for a treatment center doing what I was doing. I place people in treatment. Um, I work 20 hours a week for Revive Lifehouse Ministries and, in um Nicholasville, or Kentucky and yeah. uh and uh I work with some great guys. Kevin Horn, he's one of my mentors and uh he he reached out to me and, and I, I think I reached out to him and talked to him, asking him if there's a position open because uh what I do slows down in the winter some. Um and uh, I wanted to get back into that work. Uh I, I gotta have my mind I gotta have my hands busy oh, all yeah. the time, you know. Yeah, yeah. So um but it's been a blessing, man. Um being being back down here i was scared to death we moved we found out she was pregnant and we found in a, a condo down there in Bria, and mm-hmm. uh, we moved and it's all these guys all my friends everyone's like man your business is really taking off and uh 
how are you just going to move, you know? And, and it was a little bit scary, but I'm like, you know, wherever I go, God's getting in the truck with me. Oh, absolutely. And uh, yeah. it, so it was one of them things where I knew. And I get down here, man, I've got more work than I can even think about doing right now. I've got 20 houses lined up to do. Wow. And it's January or it's December. So. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. When you put, you know, that kind of faith in God where you've got a, a substantially growing business like you did. And then you put that faith in God to just up and leave and start all over in another place. He's just going to bless you even more. Man, I it's it's crazy today. I'm not afraid to cry in front of people. Uh, uh, but, man, I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll pull over the side of the road. When I'm on them long drives from Ohio to Kentucky and by myself yeah. is the times when I reflect. Oh, yeah. And I think about being a homeless needle junkie. And I think about from from sleeping outside and being homeless to where I am today. Yeah. And and the grace and the love that God has shown in my life, I, I'll instantly pull over and I'll cry my eyes out, man. Heck yeah. And um, it's a beautiful thing. I love being down here. I'm, I'm grateful to, for this opportunity. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was like, man, when you sent me that address, I was like, McKee, man, I thought he was in Berea. <laughs> Oh, yeah? yeah? Did you think I was up there? Okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I was like, oh, man, you know, anytime I'm asked to to tell my story, to give back or to, you know, share my testimony, I do it because I, I don't know who's listening. I don't I don't know yeah. um, if it may help somebody. It will. It definitely will. Uh, you know, uh, I can't remember how I come upon finding you. I think it's uh, Jessica Renner, maybe. It may it may have been Jessica. Or Bambi. Yeah, or Bambi, one of those. I think yeah. that's who it was. And uh, I looked you up, and you, at the time, lived in Ohio. Yeah. Then. And yeah. you said, hey, you know, I'm actually in the process of, or about to be in the process of moving to Berea. Get up with me, or I'll get up with you yeah. when I get moved and settled in. And uh, I did. And uh, you're here. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I've been watching you on Facebook and yeah. stuff like that and uh, seeing before and after pictures. Yeah. Like I told you before we uh, started recording, it's drastic. The, yeah. The, the change, the, just the physical change that you've went through from before and to now. It's, yeah. It's really amazing to see where you've come from and how far you've came. Uh, for anybody that that doesn't know, you're a big dude. You're, I mean, you can tell you lift weights and stuff like that, you know. But from your mug shots, oh my god, it's drastically different. Yeah, you know, uh, it's just. It's I got totally the opportunity to go back into the jail, and a couple of years ago, and with Mike St. John, and uh, shared my testimony. And I, and the first, the last two times I went to jail there, I was tased by the same CO. Right there, that feels good, doesn't it? Right there in booking, (laughs) right there in booking. I was so wild. I didn't. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I was the type. You're not. You're gonna earn your money. You know what Uh I mean? When you get old, (laughs) man. And uh, so he tased me. It's the last two times, and it was like with a week and a week apart of each other. Uh And uh, so I went back in to tell my story. And I see him. He's the first dude I see, and he's about 148 pounds. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I said, you remember me? (laughs) (laughs) 
He's no. Like, no. He said, no. I said, I bet uh, he did. He said, <laughs> I said, I was in here. No, he didn't. Oh, yeah. He, he really didn't. He, he had to look me up. He was like, what's your oh, name? Okay. So he looked it up and he was like, oh, my God. Yeah. I do remember you. Uh-huh. He's like, dude, whatever you're doing, you better keep on doing it yeah. because, you know, you're, you're, you're a mess. Yeah. And, uh, it's funny though. It's it's something else to see. I love because I love hearing having people come to the table and tell these stories. And I and I've said this I think on every episode. I I like to know the minimal amount until you come to the table. You know because it's just as raw and new for me as it is for everybody that's going to hear it. Yeah. Uh, so I've seen you. I mean, from your Facebook page and stuff like that, you can just absolutely tell that you're the happiest person in the world <laughs> yeah. you know you've got a beautiful wife yeah you you've moved into berea uh i've I saw you share your credit score yeah. not long ago yeah dude you know and that, that was that, the, a, that was a big point of pride for you oh you know? man dude that was the hardest thing i've done since i've been clean and sober was yeah getting my credit score to a 700 <laughs> yeah and, yeah uh, <laughs> and come to find out this little free credit app i got was cheating me out of about 40 points oh yeah yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just bought my wife a new car uh, yesterday. Yesterday, that. she we surprised her. You know that same guy, my same friend that I played high school basketball with, yeah. that trusted me three years ago wow. with that with that car payment. You know, a brand new car. Uh, I was looking at cars down here, and I'm like, man. I gotta, I gotta use him. Like he yeah. trusted in me when no one else did. Oh, so yeah. I called him and he's like, "Dude, I'll drive it down there. We'll surprise her. I'll put a bow on it, and uh, you know we're getting ready to have a baby. So we got to get out of this little car and put, yeah, yeah, put her and the baby in." Oh, was it a Telluride? Or? It was a uh, Palisade. A, oh yeah, yeah, oh, those are super nice. Yeah, super. Nice I car. drove it down there. She, <laughs> I didn't think she was gonna let me. Oh yeah, but I mean, this <laughs> thing's got. I, it started steering itself and doing it. I said, oh, yeah. Lord, let me get my Dodge. <laughs> uh, but yeah. it's, uh, you know, um, it's a it's a blessing to uh, the things, the credit, um, just just things I wanted. I wanted what, what I cheated myself out of. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, and I work hard every day. And uh, I, I, I want to get my business to where I don't have to be there, but. Mm-hmm. It's not there yet, so I'm out swinging hammers with me and another friend, and and that's another awesome thing, man. I have three or four guys that work for me, and uh, we're all in recovery, man. So when we pull up on the job site, they, people get to look at sober people, and that means means the world to them because yeah. they're they're like, well, they don't look like they might steal my copper, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that means a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's um, man, I I never want to take what what god has done for my life for granted and uh i never want to i never want to take credit for it either because i I never forget being in that shower yeah and being 150 some pounds you know almost 100 pounds lighter than i am now Mm -hmm. and not even recognizing who i was looking at in that mirror and and i never want to forget that man and i never do Mm -hmm. and i'm very open um about my story, um, you know, I have an awesome relationship with God. I still have a lot of issues to work on. My mouth, I cuss a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do, and I, I want to change that. Um, yeah. I, I know in time, God, God, will, you know, will work on it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, um, 
It's it's one of the things I get, I get excited as one of the words come out. <laughs> you just got to take it day by day, man. Yeah, everybody man. everybody slips up. You know, yeah. there's no such thing as a perfect person. No, there and there's not, and that's the thing. When I first got clean and sober, I I, I said I just want to be normal. I don't care. I just want to be normal. And then as I stayed clean and sober, I'm like there there isn't such thing as normal. These people that I was looking up to and looking at, putting on the pedestal, they have other issues, man. And we all got problems we're all we're all not all right yeah and and that's okay mm -hmm. um so i embrace um my little issues that i got today i'm okay with them um i might say a few bad words but man i promise you i'll be one of the first people in this world to pick you up out of the gutter and, and get you help yeah well there's no uh there's no um specific way to to christian I, I like to say you know every i i'm a firm believer that every person every person in this world worships in their own way yeah now i don't necessarily think there's uh uh cuss and stuff like that. it's a big deal i just don't I, i've never paid attention to it i work in a prison i hear it every <laughs> single day of yeah. my life some of the most horrid things you could ever oh, yeah. say yeah so i just it just rolls off my back you know uh, but there's no diagram. There's no type of plan set out for, I mean, if, if we was all the same exact type of Christian, you wouldn't learn it. Right. New. Right. You know? And I, and that's the thing, man. But when I, I've tried to get clean and sober and I tried, you know, I, and I never had, I tried to quote the Bible and I, I tried to do all these things. And, yeah. and it was then is when I was the most messed up. Cause I'm like, I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hit the button and just give me, you know, I'm going to hit the effort button and I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to use again because I'm yeah. never going to live up to those standards. And finally, had a moment of clarity one day. It's like, well, dude, you're not perfect. Let God work on you as he needs to, as we uh -huh. go. Yeah. But, um, you know, my big thing is I just want to have my hand out when, when needed. Cause somebody, my, somebody had grabbed my hand, my mom, you know, when I needed it the most, she was there. Yeah. And, um, and all the guys that, that I got sober with me and, I spent a year with those guys and, uh, you know, I shared my life with them and we battled demons together and we, you know, it's, uh, it's those, um, uh, you know, it's those things. And, and my relationship with God is on every day, all day. And it's, and we work on things together. Um, I've got a lot to work on. We all do. Oh, absolutely. But, um, I tell you what, I'm not hurting nobody today. That's I'm good. not robbing nobody today. Nobody has to worry about my well-being today. And the people that love me get peace of mind with, you know, knowing where I'm at in my life today. Yeah. And uh, we'll work on this cussing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we will. I, yeah. I'm getting ready to have a baby boy, and I don't want him to. Uh, right, right. I yeah. don't want him in juvenile detention. <laughs> 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 I pray. I literally prayed for a girl, man. I was like, I told my wife, I said, it's got to be a girl. Please be a girl. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, we're driving to Florida on vacation. I'm seeing all these signs, you know, and it's a, it's like, oh, it's a girl. I know it's gonna be a girl. Yeah. Then we went and found out it's like it's a boy. I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah. not another me. I'm just like, man, we're gonna. 
We're yeah. going to be putting bond money up instead of college money. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's like, no, we're not. Yeah. Chill out. He's not going to be like that. And I'm, the, I'm just like, you know what? You know, I know that a lot of the stuff that happened to me early on in life wasn't, wasn't my fault. I should have never been in the bars. I should have never been in a strip club at, yeah, at yeah. that age. I should have never been introduced to that atmosphere, but I'm okay. My grandparents, they love me. My family loved me and um, they, they just did their best and that's okay. You know, yeah. I can't blame them for the choices I made later on in life, mm -hmm. but I absolutely know that my kid will never see none of that stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's awesome. You know, and, and he, he, um, he's going to have a loving, loving family. Well, you, you're doing absolutely the right thing. You know, a lot of, I've talked to a lot of people and I've messaged people on Facebook about coming on and telling their story, bringing it to the table and everything. And some of them don't want to, you know, and all I can say to that is, is that you don't need to shut that part of your life out. I don't feel like you need to accept it and spread the message of what you yeah. went through to be a light to people. Dude, I tell you, it wasn't, I wasn't free of it until I started speaking on it. Yeah, that's and when that's you when you speak I mean. on your weaknesses, um, the devil loses power, man. When yeah. you know, yes, I did all that. Yes, I did rob people. Yes, I did go to jail. Yes, I did cheat. I did all everything you said I did. I did. Yeah. But now, I guess what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. I'm doing God's work now. Well, you make your weaknesses into strengths. Yeah. By doing that. Yeah. I I don't, you know, and and, and I looked at it like, you know, that was my issue. That was my problem. Mm -hmm. Um, these people that are over here, I thought was normal. They got different problems because I see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I talk to them and I know they got problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you know, my problem might might be a, a little worse. I don't know. We ain't gonna put it on the scale, uh -huh. but they got issues too, man. And yeah. and uh, I'm just thankful to God that I'm transparent about mine. Yeah. And by being transparent, not only did it help me, but it helps other people. Uh, say, look, man, I, I, I you don't know how many people that I speak to like on a daily basis that opens up their life to me. Like yeah. almost every single day mm -hmm. I'm either talking to someone or listening to someone's problems and, and that's okay. I'm, I'm good with it. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, most, most of the times and my wife just lets me do whatever I need to do in recovery. I go pick people up, take them to detox centers. I, yeah. Um, whatever. And she's like, go, you know, yeah, that's and, good. Oh, it's a blessing. Absolutely. So I, I told myself that I'll share my story till I feel like I'm not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, there's a lot of inspiration that comes from, from people like you that has been through it and come out of it. Uh, look uh, like a hundred dollar bill on the other side. It's an inspiration to me to listen, to listen to these stories. That's why I like listening to people and talking to them about it. And that's why I don't like to know what went on until you sit in that chair. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of empowerment that comes along with hearing your story. Uh, it, it can only do good. It's not, I mean, when, just like I said, when you tell of what you went through, you're making a strength out of a weakness. Yes. You really are. Yeah. It's doing nothing but making you stronger and staying on the right path. Yeah. You know? And it's giving other people the, you know, um, 
it's given other people the courage and the strength to do the same thing because yeah. a lot of people live in the dark and a lot of people have stuff in the closet. Mm-hmm. When I threw all my stuff out of the closet, out into the world, like, here, here it is. Yeah. Half the people I went to school with and grew up with was like, oh, I can't believe this is where you've been the last 25 years. This is what you've been doing. I yeah. have no idea. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? This is, and I'm not ashamed of it no more. I did it. I'm doing something different, but this is how I overcame it. And yeah. uh, and that was truly surrender to a God, to God. Um, that was it. I tell everyone, there ain't no secret to it, man. Mm. It's surrender. Like, yeah. I surrendered my life. I tried everything in the world to be a better person, to get off drugs, to, to live a different life. And then I tried God, and that was the only thing that worked. Yeah. There's one common thing that everybody that's come to this podcast and said, and it's exactly just what you said. Yeah. They finally had to give it to God. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, whether you whether you believe in God, whether you practice whatever faith or denomination that you belong to, uh, you know, in the end, it seems like it, that's what it's going to take. Yeah. You know, you may be the furthest thing from a, 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 a church-going person and stuff like that, but, you know, God will make you into that type of person. Yeah. To save your life. Yeah, I go to church a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We I go it's funny, I go down here, I go to the holiness church where they get down, bro. They do get down yeah, to the holiness I, churches. I love it. <laughs> I love it. It's freedom. Like when you jump up and scream and yell and, and yeah. dance and, and run around, like to me that's just pure freedom and total uh I I love it, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm all, all about the wild churches. You give, give me some excitement, man. I'm, I'm, I'm fight, fight might even break out the church if I go. Look at a mosh pit in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The first time though, I went. I was like, "What?" And the, I can remember going. In, I was in a rehab there in London, 2016. Yeah. They took me to this holiness church, and I was waiting for the snakes to come out and everything else. And, uh, I, I went to the bathroom. But said, dear Lord, if you get me out of this mess, I pray I'll never act up again. Yeah, yeah. Praying to get in church, praying to get out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Lord. But, it's, yeah. you know, it's one of the things, man. And it's, it's the coolest thing about my life is being I was so closed-minded. And so, like, I'm open-minded to all walks of life. And, and, and being spending a year in treatment. Mm-hmm. With guys from Eastern Kentucky, from Louisville, from uh, Pikeville, from uh, Corbin, from yeah. all over the state of Kentucky, with people from different backgrounds, people from the hills, people from the city, um, I got to spend a year with all walks of life, and uh, yeah. and one thing we had in common was we knew what pain felt like, yeah. and, we, and we knew so immediately we had a bond. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we all know what it's like to lose family members, to lose our wife to addiction. We all knew what the pain was. And, and man, so it opened my mind to, um, you know, I, I'm not a closed minded person anymore, man. Mm-hmm. I, I love, I used to, I, I love the hill people, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
my, my buddy that works with me, he's country as cornbread. We, yeah. we was talking today, and I'm like, bro, you are straight hill jack. <laughs> and that's okay, you know, and I'm a northern, and it's, yeah, it's yeah. all right. But mm-hmm. um, regardless of who you are, what color, all that stuff, I love you, man. And it's, uh, it's one of them things where, um, to me, I know as a human – we struggle and we, I put, I put on a good show and put on a good face all my life. I wanted people to think everything's okay. Yeah. And I'm dying. You know what I mean? I'm dying inside. And, uh, so I look at, I try to look at humans like, uh, just, just as that, man, you never yeah. know what's going on inside. Everybody's a work in progress. Yeah. Until the day you take your last breath, you're all, you're, you're always got more to do to better yourself. Yeah sure do yeah and it's it's crazy i'll share my story and it just w- with people wherever um at the store and it, it's it's crazy just whenever i feel led to and uh it's crazy some of the stuff that's happened because of that man yeah let's say so yeah i've i've put i've done interventions on on my uh I, st- I st- got my credit through a credit union i they was writing down where i worked and they're like oh you know i Went and did an intervention for this lady's son, put him in treatment. Like it's oh, just yeah. you know, just things you just never know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And then people just open up to you about their life and mm-hmm. they feel comfortable. Hey man, he shared this with me. Like Oh, that's how I feel when people come here to this podcast and tell it it's such a blessing and I'm so thankful for people to be able to be willing to open up and tell it because as as much of a success story as it is, and it really is a, a success story, you know, uh, it, it's 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 an emotional roller coaster to go yeah. through the story. I mean, everybody can tell yeah, from I've past never. episodes and stuff. People, numerous people, has broke down. I've got a box of Kleenex on the yeah. table. You know, I've never of, once told my story anywhere without crying. Yeah, um, well, that's empowering. This, uh, it's one of those things, man. If um, if you've never been homeless and, and and if you've never experienced that pain and that the shame and the guilt that because I knew I was a better person but I didn't know how to not be a better person you know yeah. it was um, uh, if you've never known that or or if you have known that and you and then you you get you get catapulted into this new life that God gives you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's powerful. Bad, bad, powerful. One of the most powerful things I think anybody can experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My buddy texted me yesterday. It's funny. We're having, we got a friend that needs some help right now, and he's texting me. He's like, "Man," he said, "Dude, I I cannot believe how your life is going right now." And I said, "Man," I said, "Man, honestly, it feels like a dream every single day." Yeah. It does. It's it's like I'm living in a dream. Yeah. You know, 25 years of of the madness, man. Um, it's just hopeless. Never going to get out of it. That's what mm-hmm. I thought. Never going to get out of it. It's like being in a prison. And yeah. they finally unlocked the door. And you're like, you know. Yeah. And that's what it was like for me. Yeah. That's what it was like. That's a good way to put it. That's a good, yeah, that's a good analogy. Uh, what would you say to somebody out there right now that may be <clears throat> listening? Because I know there is people that's in active addiction that yeah. listens to this. Uh, have you got any advice from them? Or what yeah, I, I definitely 
say don't you know don't be ashamed of what you're going through and it's okay to reach out for help and you can reach out to to me my phone number is 859-979-2985 i promise you i'll get you somewhere safe yeah um to recover from you know from your addiction and uh, but most of all man don't be ashamed of it we we, we all got demons we're battling yeah um but that that shame and guilt will keep us it'll kill us if we don't if we don't yeah it go. will it'll keep you from getting help from it. yeah for sure it will robbie man i appreciate you coming i appreciate you danny this has been awesome yeah it means a lot to me it really does i don't want to uh sell that short it means a lot to me for you to come and talk about it i I know it's an emotional thing so i really appreciate you man thank you bro i appreciate you uh i'm gonna get off here and figure out what the heck's going on with this friggin' light that's been blinking (laughs) the whole time we've been sitting here (laughs) i don't know what what it is it just started doing that all of a sudden but Uh, i'll tear them down one (laughs) but everybody i appreciate y'all listening and uh we'll we'll catch you next time have a good one Hey folks, it's Danny from What's Up World. I want to tell you about a local nonprofit called Awesome Like Anderson and its owners and operators, Andrea and Brandon Gross. Awesome Like Anderson was founded for their son, Anderson, and all of his friends. Their son's diagnosis and the need for awareness brought them to establish the first Jackson County Walks for Autism Awareness in 2023, and it quickly became something much bigger. And Awesome Like Anderson was founded. Andrea and Brandon realized the need for sensory supplies, parental support, and guidance for autistic children in our schools and at home. Their mission is to provide these items at no cost to children diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder or special needs. Raising a special needs child comes with overwhelming worry, and Awesome Like Anderson strives to lessen that worry any way they can. Our mission is to give a big voice to our small community by spreading autism awareness through events and donations year-round. For autism support or information on how to get involved, please email us at wagg 825 at gmail.com or message us on Facebook using the link in the show notes below. With the help from local communities, we can show just how very awesome our kids are.